So I'm not Chris Mayo, which was the original person who was supposed to present this, and Chris was one of um, my advisees, uh, and he actually did this study uh, with me, or I did it with him, I should say, um, as a part of his thesis project from the class of 2007, and he sends his regrets. He um, just was told that he had to work overnight last night and tonight, and he wasn't sure that he could, between those times, give a presentation. So uh, anyway, here we go. Um, this was funded by the American Academy of Physician Assistants and the PAEA Education Grant uh, Opportunity, um, and there are no other financial disclosures. Um, I'm going to skip the study rationale because I'll talk about it in a minute. So the current uh, political milieu, if you will, and it's sort of current, I guess, to now, um, that in 1988, uh, we started with the Association of Postgraduate PA Programs, so there was now a opportunity and a forum for residency programs to be accredited uh, through the, and then the ARCPA, um, well, I'm sorry, the association actually was created and they began to work together and then in 2006 they formed um, with the ARCPA to start uh, accrediting residency programs for PA, uh, PAs in postgraduate residencies. And then in 2009 the NCCPA moved uh, towards their specialty certification uh, recognition program. And so one of the questions that we had was wh what was the evidence for um, some of these changes and um, so our questions were how often do PAs change specialties during the course of their career? And the reason we wanted to, I wanted to know the answer to this question and actually Chris did too is that when he came to interview with us he said I chose the PA profession because I wanted to be able to move from specialty to specialty throughout the course of my career. And that, current, that certainly, based on my 10 years of experience in admissions here, that seems to be a very common theme. That's what people say. That that's why they didn't actually choose to become a nurse practitioner, in fact. So are there differences in generations in terms of how often they move from specialty to specialty? And if they do move specialty to specialty, um, how quickly are they prepared from one specialty to the next? And are there additional training opportunities that people are taking advantage of? And do PAs uh, value the flexibility that we currently have in our, our profession? And what are the attitudes towards specialty training and residency? Um, so uh, we had approval from the IRB and we validated a survey with um, several Yale graduates, all of whom had very different careers. I, I, I think it worked out very well to get people who had been residency trained, who had not been residency trained, who had changed 12 times specialties, who had not changed any specialties, and all different uh, years. So that worked out well. And then um, we, got, uh, we obtained from the APA a master file of classes from 1978, 88, and 98. And then we sent a, um, so we wanted people from those time frames because we wanted people to be in practice 10 years so that we could look at, at sort of longitudinal data. Um, and we did the survey in 2008, so it made sense to, to try to um, capture that. We were afraid that if we asked people from 2006 or so, um, how many times did they change their specialty in their career, they probably or maybe they have, but maybe they haven't. So we wanted to make sure we had sort of longitudinal data. So we sent a paper survey, um, much to my regret, because there were 5,700 people. Um, and I'm, I'm saying much to my regret. It ends up that we have found that paper surveys actually get better response rates. Um, so uh, we did not uh, send a second survey because of the cost involved in, in this, but 
Um, we did uh, enter the data in. Uh, one individual actually um, interviewed, in, entered all the data, and then 6% um, of the surveys were reviewed to make sure that the data uh, was, you know, randomly that, that there was accuracy in, in placing the data. And then we had a statistician help us. I'm sorry, there was 5,520 from the uh, master file, and we had a 31% response rate. 60% uh, were female, 65% were between the ages of uh, 40 and 59, and 88% were practicing clinically. And what this shows you is that against the benchmark of AAPA data that um, Patrick shared with us a little bit ago, um, this sample probably had a few more males, actually, than, than the current um, uh, male you, but essentially it was pretty uh, pretty right on. In terms of the cohort, uh, the way that um, it fell out based on the graduates, the yellow block is um, the graduates from the class of 1998, as you might imagine, because there are a lot more programs in 1998. And our response rate um, from the, uh, so 22%, the blue was actually 1978, and 1988 was 19%. So for some reason in 1988, there were just less graduates who we're in the AAPA database. I don't know what that means. So um, in terms of looking at the specialties over the course of their career, how many times did they change specialties? Um, just about 30% changed twice, um, but you saw that there was a standard group of about 22% or so that did not change specialties. They stayed in the same specialty essentially the entire time. And then we had some people who um, changed specialties three times and more, and we actually had someone who reported that they changed specialties uh, 17 times. Um, I was trying to count that. I, I think the, the point is that we used the specialty list from the AAPA, and that specialty list is actually 67 different specialties. So I think that they probably were working part-time in one specialty and part-time in another, and that's how they ended up adding that up. That was an anomaly. That was only one person who, who told us that. So the most common specialties um, that individuals said that they had worked in over the course of their career was primary care and family medicine, no surprise. Emergency medicine also had a, a prominent role at about 30%. And then internal medicine um, and occupational medicine were very common and, and about 20% of orthopedics. Uh, in terms of being prepared for their first job out of PA training, um, we asked them to, to rate this on a Likert scale, how prepared were they, um, and most people thought that they were moderately very well or extremely well prepared. Um, very few people thought they were not at all prepared or a little prepared. Um, we did a second, uh, secondary analysis and, the, analysis, and the people said that they were not at all prepared generally were the ones who also said they didn't practice. So I don't know what that means, but <laughs> right. Um, so uh, this is very interesting. This is the time to comfort in their first job. So we asked people to estimate, like, how long did it take for them out of PA school to be familiar and comfortable with uh, their new role as a PA. And um, what you see is that more than 50% of people uh, at the six-month mark um, were comfortable, and certainly uh, the majority of people were comfortable um, by the, well, by the six-month mark, but actually by 12 months, 88% um, were comfortable with their, their position. So what that suggests is that even with the method that we're currently using to train PAs, that they're able to, within one year's time, be up to speed in the position that they're in. So 
Uh, when we asked about additional training after PA school, this was quite surprising to me. Uh, none was the most common response. It was 50%. Um, and uh, residency on-the-job training and um, additional certifications and others were uh, less well represented. In terms of certification, uh, when we, we asked them to fill in what kind of certification they had. It was ACLS training. It was BLS training. It was uh, dermatology screening, testing, something else. Um, and the other, actually, most commonly was a diabetes educator. Um, and um, oh, I just forgot the other one. Well, I can't remember. If you, you can email me if you really want to know. I'll tell you. Um, so the importance of career flexibility, um, we asked them just to rate this on a, a Likert scale, so not at all to uh, extremely important. And you can see that the majority of PAs uh, in this sample said that this was moderately to extremely important in terms of the flexibility from, to move from specialty to specialty. And this uh, graph shows uh, really the, the means for all of the graduates. Um, but what we also found was that, that was, it didn't seem to matter uh, generationally, so that the people from 1978 responded pretty much in the same way that the people from 1998 uh, responded which I thought was interesting. Um, the likelihood of specialty change uh, if uh, additional requirements were required. And you can see that um, we asked them questions about if there was additional certification requirements or additional training requirements. And specifically, we said in that question, in the additional training requirements, we said in parentheses, like a residency program or something else that would, would verify. And what we see here is that um, there's a, a certain percentage of us that would never change uh, no matter what, whether there was something that we wanted to do or not. And um, not likely was quite high um, in uh, the additional training if a residency was required. 50% of us said we would not change if a, a residency was required. And not likely, a little likely, um, were also well represented in the both additional certification and in the additional training requirement. So what this slide shows you is that most people felt as though um, it, it would be a barrier to if you required specialty certification and or if you required additional training that that'd be a barrier to moving specialty to specialty. Uh, in terms of the, um, we asked them a question about the importance of flexibility to prevent uh, burnout. And what we learned was that, uh, again, this is very similar to one of the earlier slides that said that most uh, felt that it was very important from a moderately to extremely important um, for their um, uh, career. So uh, some of the strengths and weaknesses of this uh, presentation, um, the, some, the strength is that it was really the first study to show uh, with primary source data. So some of you who saw the Health Affairs article that, uh, that was written by Rod Hooker et al. Um, that was actually done using um, data from the AAPA, but it was not um, accurate. In other words, if you weren't sending your annual survey in every year, not that any of you in this room would do that, um, but um, you may not be able to tell if they're changing specialty to specialty over the course of their career. Um, we did see that, and it's not reported here, there are generational differences and there are also um, gender differences, um, but those, again, will be reported at a later time. Um, this, there's some important qualitative data. We asked people about the barriers to specialty change. And there, um, it was very interesting. The uh, class of 1978 
uh, said that the biggest barrier was that nurses and physicians uh, didn't accept the PA role. And um, the individuals from the classes of 1998 had completely different issues. They said, you know, we don't want to move, or they had family concerns or something else. But they didn't mention that acceptance of the profession as an issue. Um, and uh, the limitations are, obviously, there's a recall bias. Um, our response rate is uh, not as high as I would have liked it to be, although I think it shows that the sample was representative. And um, certainly, uh, we were asking questions about perceptions, and so there's a subjective nature to that. So the conclusions are that PAs do change specialties, um, that PAs adapt to the new uh, environments relatively quickly. Um, they value career flexibility, and they report that they're not likely to move from one specialty to another if additional certification or training is required. And thank you very much.